The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey, joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. Joey, you were in for a hot one last night, as I saw on Twitter, and obviously we uh, texted back and forth last night, but it looks like your your AC went out and you had a quite the adventure last night, so we're recording day of today, but uh, everything working its way out, you, you, you having a better day today than you were last night? Oh, yeah, we'll get it, we'll get it squared away. The kids started school today, so that's always uh, an adventure, but, uh, but we're, uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse than it was last night. We've got a lot of family close by, so it made it made it relatively easy to find a place to let everybody sleep last night. That works. Right, right. Well, cool. Um, let's uh, we'll, today be a little bit shorter one today. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about the guys we had brought up last week, how they did. We had given you guys five guys last week, um, that we that we were excited to see in week one of preseason. We're kind of gonna do the same thing today. Just talk about a handful of more guys. Maybe not not a countdown list like we did last week, but just talk about a few more guys that we didn't talk about last week that either showed up a little bit in week one or guys that maybe didn't show up that we're going to have to see some more from because at some point, whether that's next week, it'll probably have to be next week. We're probably going to do some sort of a 53-man roster prediction. So we want to kind of talk about some of these guys on the fringe or, or some guys that are showing up to, to make that final push to make the roster. But Joey, I'll start with you, man. You you had three guys uh, last week that you had mentioned that you were really excited to see, and um, I think we we did a really good job because I think all five of the guys we mentioned had had really good games, had really good days, and really good games, and showed up pretty well. Yeah, I think the one guy that we talked about that we named a guy specifically um, was Chuma Adoga, who didn't play. You know, got hurt right. the last practice before the game. But if we if we sub in the guy who wound up playing left tackle in his place, Awesome Richards. Um, I, I think what you saw from him as he, uh, as our buddy Landon McCool put it the other day, essentially pulled a Tyler Smith where he had been practicing at guard all camp. And they were like, hey, we need you to play left tackle at the very last minute. And he just stepped in and did it at a really, you know, respectable level playing against the starters for the Jaguars. And I think the, I think he gave up two pressures and something like 25 
pass blocking snaps against the combination of Trayvon Walker and Caleb on chase on. Um, so, you know, not, not a terrible showing from a fifth round rookie offensive lineman um, who, you know, was thrown into a pretty interesting position. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, we'd mentioned Adoga last week and, we had mentioned actually Mozzie Smith and Luke Schoonmaker, who we weren't sure were going to play just because they were, you know, dealing with injury and they ended up playing and Adoga did not. But yeah, no, I thought uh, Asim Richards did a really nice job. Uh, he's got a UNC that I know um, I liked a, a little bit pre-draft. You know, I thought he was more probably more of a project than a guy that you could plug in and play um, or, or be a, a rotational piece that you could really rely on in year one. But I thought he did a really good job uh, last week in a tough spot. And uh, that's something to build off of for sure, because, you know, not to say it's been disappointing, but I don't think we have gotten the Matt Willetsko reviews from camp that we were getting before camp. So you're still kind of up in the air on who that pure swing tackle is going to be. You know, obviously Zach Martin's back here, so that helps things out a lot too. But those those backup roles are still kind of open and available for somebody to win. And Richards put himself in a nice spot to to kind of maybe get a nudge up the depth chart a little bit on that back backup role. Yeah, absolutely. And and with these offensive linemen, like the more depth you have, the better, because these guys get banged up a little bit and all that kind of stuff. So uh, especially whenever you can get it at a low cost like they did with with Austin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you know, we had brought up a couple more names, too. Um, I know I cheated and picked Jalen Tolbert. You know, I kind of assumed he was going to be in for a big day and um, he was. He had, a, he had a really good day and you know, he's had a really good camp. And I think we've we've both touched on a nudge enough now just how how we think he's really ready for that second year breakout year. Um, but De, DeMarvion Overshone was my second guy that I listed, and he was a guy who had a really impressive day as well. Um, you know, uh, a guy who we just talked about, Richards, who's kind of maybe seen himself bump up the depth chart a little bit. I think you could maybe make the same case for Overshone, who's who's showing up well. He's playing against the run well. He played some coverage snap snaps well. So I think a lot of people are getting really excited about him. I think his, you know, leadership and maturity and stuff is, is, is just as getting, you know, getting those rave reviews just as much as his play on the field. So anytime you got a guy who's showing up on the field and is also doing all the right things in the meeting rooms and in the locker room and off the field, that's, that's really what these, uh, these scouts and, and pro guys love to see, especially when you're getting these guys in year one and year two. So Overshone was kind of my, my one pick that, you know, cause again, I think everybody kind of had Tolbert circled there, but Overshone was a guy that I was really excited to see. And I thought really showed up and had a, uh, had a really good day last week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Overshone had a great week just in terms of he was essentially, you know, linebacker two this week because of the way it played out. And, you know, he flew around and made plays, you know, came up, made a pretty uh, impressive run stop a couple of times, you know, did some really good things. Um, you mentioned Jalen Tolbert. I think, like you said, he was kind of the he was kind of the easy pick just because the drumbeat coming into camp or coming into the game was so loud from camp. But then he was able for the first time in his career really to carry it over from the practice field to the game field. And the combination of him and another guy we're not going to talk about, or we didn't talk about last week, but Jake Ferguson were, they were even against the Jacksonville starters looked like starting level pass catchers. Like they looked like a level above the rest of the guys on the field which is what you would expect in that situation from two guys you expect to contribute during the season. So 
it was a it, it was a positive sign for sure for Jalen Tolbert. And then he follows it up with another really good practice yesterday. Uh, the the guy the next guy that I talked about was John Stevens Jr. Which you know, yep. so I don't know how we did this, but somehow we 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 <laughs> hit some we made some bullseyes on these picks. But he had a, a really nice game. You know, scored a touchdown. And he's got work to do as a blocker. We know that he's a converted receiver, but at this point, you know, Sean McEwen had problems as a blocker in the game as well. And if both guys are going to have blocking problems, then I, I think there's a, an argument to start to happen about whether John Stevens is is or should be fighting with Sean McEwen for that last tight end spot on the roster. And then based on the way Peyton Hendershot played in the game, maybe there should be some conversation about whether they carry three tight ends or four tight ends and who that third or fourth guy is and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's coming because John Stevens has been really good in camp and carried it over and was really good in the game. And we'll see if he can kind of continue this for the next couple of preseason weeks and really make it a tough cut down for them once we get around to uh, to the to the final cut down, we get ready for the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Stevens has been having a good camp as well. I, I thought the most impressive thing with him on tape is just he seemed to be very instinctual. He seemed to be very savvy in the way that he was getting open. And just, I mean, even the they ran that little, like, fake toss crack uh, play with him. And he, uh, you know, he was sneaking out from, from you know, acting like he was blocking. And he just the way he carried that out and play fake that out, I think you did a really good job at that, especially the young guys. Sometimes they're just kind of, you know, head on a swivel, not really focused on selling the play fakes and all that as well. But I think he did a really uh, good job of doing that, those little things really well too, just the savviness he played with um, on his touchdown. I, I really like the way he worked back to the football, just those little subtle things that you don't see young guys do all the time, um, especially in their first game action. I thought he did a really good job with. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're. I, I think you're right that the the former receiver aspect showed up in the uh, in the receiving game, in the pass catching game, with the route running and things like that. And then it it seemed like he's showing some some early grasp on some of the run game stuff that receivers aren't usually responsible for. That you know maybe he's got to build some strength and get used to some positioning in the running game and stuff like that as a like an inline guy or, or in the in the heart of the formation, but. There, there's something about that level of size in the receiving game as a tight end that is uh, is tough to 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 mimic. You know, the old Bill Parcells planet theory. There's only so many guys that big that can move that way. Um, so it's uh it's going to be interesting to see John Stevens because I think there's the potential for there to be something there, and they will be they will be better off if that development takes place because he's a, he's a rare physical specimen for sure. I just really thought that game in general was a, a good game for the bubble guys and the guys who we feel like are going to make the roster as depth piece. I mean, to, to come out and pick Trevor Lawrence off on the you know first series and just really look up to the task when it was a lot of backup guys against the Jaguars first team offense, you know, I thought that was impressive. And then, you know, it took the offense a second to get going. I mean, the offensive line, first action together, a couple of these guys playing new positions. Like, the first couple of series were rough, but I really thought, you know, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, no, 
this depth of this offensive line's a mess. And the, when you went back and watched even just the broadcast again, you know, because the day after the tape hadn't come out yet, I watched the broadcast again. And I was just like, man, the offensive line was was fine. You know, like they took them a second to kind of get their feet wet and get get into a rhythm, but thought they were fine. And then as the game progressed, I thought they get turned into a pretty pretty damn good unit. And uh, again, there's there's their backup offensive linemen when they're playing those ones, they're they're not going to win every battle. But I thought they had showed some good things against the Jaguars ones. I think that as the game progressed, they got better. And um, really, again, there's a lot of people who were like, that's the key thing after this game is that the offensive line depth's an issue. And just I, I didn't get that at all, really. I mean, again, like if it doesn't get any better, you know, if they come out and they play like, exactly like they did last week where, you know, it starts off slow, you got some of those guys getting beaten. And, and I'm not saying that every offensive lineman was good because I think some of those guys did have some issues. But I think as a as a unit, especially given that none of the starters played and most of those guys might not make the roster and the few that are going to be guys you hope don't play at all, I thought they were pretty damn good against some of the Jaguars' ones and a lot of their twos. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where if the offense, if the second offensive line as a group struggles in a preseason game, it doesn't necessarily mean that one of those second offensive linemen, if plugged into a spot on the first offensive line, would struggle right. in the same way. The whole dynamic changes when if if you have to plug Awesome Richards in at left guard because of some injury situation or something like that. And Tyler Smith goes out to tackle and awesome Richards comes in at left guard with Zach Martin. You know, that's a little news item the last few days with Zach Martin at right guard. Tyler Biotis is turning left every snap. If he's got a fifth round rookie offensive lineman next to him. So he's getting help every single snap, either front, either guard from the center and pass pro or from, from Tyler Smith and, and run blocking and all that kind of stuff. So, it's a whole lot easier to play left guard with Tyler Smith on one side, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele than it is with, you know, Matt Waletsko at right tackle and Josh Ball at right guard and uh, Hodges at center, you know, that sort of thing. It's a whole different conversation when you're plugging one guy or even really two guys into a group of established starters than it is to say, all right, we're going to roll these five guys out here who are all backups. And we're going to expect Matt Farniok to be the left guard and be the best offensive lineman on that line. And if he's not, then the whole thing falls apart. 
he doesn't have to he's got to be the worst lineman on the line if he's playing in a regular game. So it's a yeah, whole different different conversation with those guys for sure. And that's just the case for the preseason. It's it's really about the individual performances, not the whole units perform. You know, it's not about the offense dominating the defense. It's which, you know, which receiver can make the most of his opportunities, which guard can show up and show that he could possibly be a swing guard in that situation. So I think that's just the most important thing to remember about the preseasons is it's it's more about those individual performances than it is the whole unit or the whole side of the ball performing at a high level. Because again, like we've mentioned, it's you're especially the other day, there there weren't really any ones in the game whatsoever. So you're looking for some of those twos to look like they could play with the ones if you needed them to. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's that's what you're really looking for from those depth guys is how, how would they how would they fit in the context of the of the bigger picture? And so I, I think that kind of covers it. Our, our our fifth guy last week, um, uh, we picked the right position. I think we may have talked about the wrong guy because I think we were trying to reach a little deeper. Uh, and I went with Hunter Lepke because I thought it was going to be interesting to see what kind of workload he got. He did play, did do a variety of things. Uh, but the the running back to talk about was really and obviously and has been consistently for the last few days. Deuce Vaughn was phenomenal in the game, and uh, and it was cool to see what he did in college translate to the NFL field in a way that was so um, tangible and concrete uh, so quickly. Yeah, no, I mean he was he was obviously a ton of fun to watch, um, and I mean I think the you know the the same thing that we were just talking about with Vaughn is is the same case or uh excuse me with with some of these offensive linemen is the same case with Vaughn is it's you know you had him in there with the backup quarterback he had him in there with the backup offensive line and he was still able to produce and that just goes a long ways when you're looking at those individual performances um and some of the you know there was a ball that was was thrown not necessarily on target but again you know I guess you could say that one, some of his concerns, his his height came up on a ball that was picked off. It was brought back because of a flag. Um, but if you got Dak Prescott in there, that ball's probably right on the money, and you're looking at another big gain. Um, he probably should have scored on the uh, Texas route that I think he was tackled, you know, tackled at the goal line on, um, just because of the ball thrown a little bit high. So he he performed really well. Um, and again, like I think you saw some of the concerns with him too, and and especially in the passing game, is you got that small catch radius, you got a small target that you got to throw to, so you got to have the ball accurate and on them, or you know you're going to risk turning it over or risk you know limiting your gains. But um, I think you saw a lot of the things that you saw at Kansas State with him, that burst, that ability to just break tackles and and be a nuisance uh, with the football in his hands, and he did that at a high level. Um, and you're again, like I think. I think fans in general will probably get a little overblown with his expectation. You know, I think you're going to be – people are going to be talking about him, you know, getting eight, 900 yards this year. Now, I wouldn't go that far. I think he's, you know, a guy who will probably touch the ball five to six times a game. And and in those five to six times a game, you're hoping he can have a couple big plays out of those. But I think he's, he's going to carve out a pretty nice role in his rookie year here and uh, be a player that can be an explosive weapon on offense, which is, again, all you're looking for is a, is a day three pick. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's can he bring, you know, just that little bit of juice that the offense has been missing at times the last few years, um, especially when you take Tony Pollard off the field is. Is Deuce the guy who keep, keeps some of that juice, some of that pop in the offense from the backfield uh, whenever Tony Pollard's off the field? And if so, 
um, the offense is going to be in pretty darn good shape. Um, if he gets five or six touches a game, he, he's going to pop a big play or two once every couple of games, and it's going to be really exciting to watch. And, and I do think he's more – I think he's more capable of being – because I think, you know, again, like some people might hear what I just said and be like, man, that doesn't seem like – feels like he could give you more. And, and I do I do think that, you know, you obviously you didn't see a lot from Malik Davis – you saw a little bit from Rico Dowdle, but then you saw the you know the fumble and that hurts a little bit. And but I do think Deuce Vaughn has the ability to like win that RB two job this year. I mean, again, I think it might be a little difficult just because a lot of people are going to talk about the pass protection. I think there's ways you can get around that, but we know how much this team values pass protection um, with their running backs. But you know, I think there's a a, a route in a way that. You know, mid-year, he's your second running back in this offense and maybe getting more like 8 to 12 touches a game instead of the, you know, 4 to 6, whatever that is. Um, I mean, I think they're going to rely on Tony Pollard a lot this year just because he's he's that good and he's that explosive and he's that much of a big-time player. But I think that, you know, I, I don't think it's within any – out of any sort of reach that Deuce Vaughn couldn't be the best – the second-best running back on this team and, and really earn that RB2 – title and role, you know, by the fourth, fifth, sixth week of the season. Yeah, and I think there's an important distinction to be made on the depth chart. Like, we talk a lot about, like, QB1 and QB2, and that's, like, a very distinct delineation of, like, okay, this is the quarterback, and if this quarterback comes out of the game, this is the quarterback that comes in. But really, that's almost the only position that works, like, very cleanly that way. With the running back, it's like, okay, there's Tony Pollard, and then you have to have a backup for Tony Pollard, who if there's an injury to Tony Pollard, this is the guy who becomes the guy who is the primary ball carrier for your team. I don't think Deuce Vaughn is that guy, but I do think Deuce Vaughn is probably the first running back off the bench right. to sub in to give Tony Pollard a rest or to come in in a separate package. And so I don't know if that guy that you just mentioned is on the roster right now. <laughs> Yeah, he may not be. Uh, I think Rico Dowdle, you know, until the fumble and, you know, right. the guy kind of used Cavante uh, Turpin as a weapon against him. You know, it was kind of a – it was a tough situation that he was in, especially after a big play like that. You want him to get the uh, get the reward of the touchdown and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I think right now Rico Dowdle is probably the guy in line to be that guy, and I think their unofficial depth chart reflects that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely think that there's a chance that we get through this round of cuts here at the, the end of the, the month. And we're talking about a, a waiver claim at a, on a running back or something like that for somebody that they feel like might be more reliable in that, in that second running back role, especially considering, you know, everything going on with Ronald Jones and the injury and the suspension right. and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Cause I think that's Again, what whether, they signed Ronald Jones to be was to whether, be that guy. Right, and whether it's waiver claim or whether it's, you know, Tony Pollard gets hurt in week four, you know, and he's out six weeks, like maybe they go get a – again, I don't even know if he's for a Latavius Murray type, somebody more like that that's a veteran is going to, you know, do the the easy things right. He's going to – you know, he's not going to put the ball on the ground. He's going to be smart. You know, they'll, they'll, if something happens to Tony Pollard early in the season where he misses extensive time, I think they would go and either get a sign of veteran that's on the street still, which we know there's plenty of those guys still around, or like you said, you know, 
a Ronald Jones who's who might they might keep around for for insurance in case something like that happens. But um, well, we put a bow on on week one of the preseason. Let's let's move on to that week two. Um, this was going to be a, a a late night one for me. Ten o'clock this Saturday, Cowboys Seahawks. I'm gonna be double dipping. We got UFC 292 uh, going to be on at the same time, so I'll be double dipping into those. But uh, really excited for this game as well, especially coming off this week one where you were, you were really impressed with some of the way these guys played. But uh, let's talk about a handful of guys here that we didn't talk about in week one um, that we want to talk about in this week who either played well or maybe didn't play well enough in week one that we're looking forward to seeing bounce back um, or play well again in week two. I'll, I'll start it off with you again. Who's somebody that you're really looking forward to uh, honing in on and seeing how they do in week two of the preseason? So I'm interested to see. I thought Jalen Brooks came up a little bit small in week mm-hmm. one in that he there were a couple of times whenever you know you go watch the tape and he's running a slant route and he gets bumped a little bit on the release and sort of lets it knock him off track and then the ball comes and he kind of alligator arms the catch because he's worried about the guy coming inside out and it's one of those like from based on what we've seen in camp like if they're going to care, especially with all the other depth that they have at all the other positions on offense and defense, if they're going to carry six wide receivers, um, they need that guy to to be something, right? It, they they've dealt with the you know the semi fajokos and people like that who show up in practice and then nothing nothing in the games. Um, but Jalen Brooks has had a really great camp in camp. Um, came up a little bit small for me in week one against Jacksonville. I'm excited to see what he's able to do on the road in Seattle. Um, maybe now that he's got a game under in, under his belt, uh, got his feet grounded a little bit, he'll be he'll be ready to go. So we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll see Jalen Brooks step up a little bit more. Maybe he's the guy that makes a couple of plays in the passing game that kind of raise our attention, especially now that – I mean, I think there's a chance that now that Jalen Tolbert has done what he's done, that he, I don't know that we see him all that much. Uh, for the rest of for the next two games, just because I think they've seen him roll it out there in games. They've seen it in camp. All right, let's kind of back him down because we don't want to lose him to some freak situation. Let's run out, you know, Jalen Brooks and Dontario Drummond and Jalen Moreno Cropper and guys like that. Yeah, and I agree. I honestly think that's probably the smart thing to do at this point. Um, last thing you want to do is have, have Tolbert hurt himself. We saw the crazy acrobatic catch he made yesterday and Obviously, those things are fun to see, but sometimes you just hold your breath and you're like, oh, please get back up. But uh, I'm going to go – the guy I'm going to go with is a guy who showed up I thought really well and a guy we talked a lot about post-draft, and that's Isaiah Land, um, a guy that we – you know, we had some of our buddies liked a lot pre-draft, and we thought, you know, not sure if he was going to be a linebacker or a pass rusher, but he was really active in the first week of preseason. Um, and I think that he's probably on the outside looking in right now, but, man, if he continues to – show up like he did in the game last week and these next two games, I think he could really fight hard for maybe one of those last uh, spots on the depth chart. This this defensive end, you know, outside linebacker, edge rusher unit, whatever you want to call it, is just so deep that it's it's tough to really fight your way onto the roster there. But his ability to play some of that stand-up linebacker, maybe some off the ball, rush off the edge, um, and then be a player on special teams, I think could help his value. And I think that, that he showed up in week one uh, pretty often. He was very active. Uh, pressure in the quarterback, his motor, all of that stuff that we had talked about pre-draft showed up in week one. Um, so, again, you know, I don't know that he's a guy who's who's 
He's probably more so on the outside looking in, like I said, but I think he's got a shot that if he plays well over these next couple of weeks and, and continues to have a good camp, you know, maybe there's an injury, maybe there's, you know, they, they end up going a cheaper, younger route with him over one of these older guys. We'll, we'll see what happens, but but I, I think Isaiah Land was really good in week one, and I anticipate him do, being really well in week two as well, and I'm going to keep a closer eye on him for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great one. You know, any if you can put pressure on the quarterback, you bring value and – now, now they're going to have to walk this this tightrope of, especially with pass rushers, right? Because of the value of the position, and some of these teams just don't have them. If he goes out and just rolls this week against Seattle, now they start having to try to have these interesting roster conversations of, okay, the defensive line is probably the deepest position on the team. How are we going to handle? you know, the cutdowns on this spot and how does that affect other positions that, you know, we may or may not want to keep, you know, a sixth cornerback. We may want to keep a fifth or sixth safety. Um, all those sorts of things come into play when you talk about adding additional defensive linemen. Um, and, you know, there's always the opportunity for them to play some roster gymnastics where they, you know, re- we know they're going to do this. They're going to release CJ Goodwin and probably release Cooper rush and say, Hey, just hang out for a few days. We'll bring you back. Um, after we get through this roster process with the changes that have to take place. Um, and so maybe that's sort of a game they play with Isaiah land where they keep him for the first couple of days. And then somebody else has to go to IR to return, for example, and they, you know, they flip him, off of the 53-man roster onto the practice squad after some of that stuff plays out. But yeah, I think I think Lane is a good one because he was he was extremely effective and impressive in, in the action he got. Uh, the last guy I'm gonna name is another guy who the drumbeat coming into the game was really, really positive. And then all of a sudden the game came and he it kind of seemed like he was swimming a little bit. Uh and that's Eric Scott. And uh at, at corner, you know, it's they played the, you know, again, Jacksonville played their starters. So basically every level of the Cowboys depth chart was playing against up a level on the Jacksonville depth chart until the very end of the game. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see, can he, you know, get his sea legs under him and show in a game what he showed in practice, very similar to Jalen Brooks in that, or is he going to be a guy who fades throughout the preseason and we, we wind up seeing, um, seeing him be a practice squad type candidate, um, even though you know they really like to keep their draft picks, um, it, it'll be just interesting to see how he is able to rebound from last week. Not that he played terribly, I just don't think he played the way he wanted to play or the way that everybody was hoping he would play. And so we will uh, it just it'll be interesting to see how Eric Scott plays um, against a team that is gonna uh, is probably gonna challenge him. Uh, and challenge this Cowboys second the backup secondary players as a whole. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's another good name. I think he was actually the my uh, my honorable mention guy last week when we had finished. I said, you know, Eric Scott. I think he's had a good camp. Now he's got to bring that back and and have a good game. And there were some ups, there were some downs there for him, and he needs to bounce back and and, and prove himself for sure. Um, my last guy, um, I'm, I guess I'm on the positive route today, but uh, Devin Harper, a linebacker, he. Did get beat for that crazy touchdown in coverage, but I think um, you saw the way he played on special teams a little bit and then saw some of the things he was able to do um, on defense when when he was asked to step up and play the run. run. Um, 
I think the interesting thing with these linebackers, and they have a lot of them. Again, it's kind of figuring out who's going to be that top half of the the the, the depth chart there for them that's going to make the team. But they got a lot of those guys who are fast. They're physical. They can run sideline to sideline. Um, they're athletic, you know, so they have a type at linebacker and, and Devin Harper kind of fits in that role. Um, but I thought he showed up in week one and, and played pretty well. Um, again, like I know he was in coverage on that the touchdown that, that they threw where they had him in, in the grasp and he still made, I mean, that was a crazy play. It's hard to really knock him for that. But uh, but outside of that, he he had a lot of positive plays and showed up pretty well. Um, and again, he's another guy who was drafted last year. Uh, day three guy um, was kind of the, the guy that nobody really knew. A lot of people saw him on tape when they were watching Malcolm Rodriguez, but but didn't really have Devin Harper as a guy who was going to come in and, and be a, a starting caliber or even a draft pick. Uh, but they spent a day three pick on him and uh, didn't do anything last year. But I think he's he's coming back this year and, and looks to want to be fighting for a roster spot. Um, and, and again, I think that if there's a unit on this team outside of running back and I guess maybe tight end where there could be some – some up and down movement on that depth chart. It's definitely linebacker because outside of Leighton Vander Esch, you got Damone Clark, you got guys like Jabril Cox, uh, Demarvion Overshone, Devin Harper. There's a bunch of guys, so it's trying to figure out who wants to take that next step and and make themselves so you know really a starter. You know when they play three linebacker sets because right now you got Leighton Vander Esch, right now you got Demarvion Overshone, right now you got Damone Clark, Jabril Cox, Devin Harper. There's a couple more guys, Malik Jefferson, who got hurt. Um, so there's a bunch of guys who 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 have that have the ability to step in and, and win a job and, and play a pretty big role in defense for this team at linebacker. And and I think he showed up in week one and looked ready to 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 take that next step. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right in that that bottom half of the linebacker depth chart is going to be really interesting to watch because, uh, like you said, there's just a lot of dudes and it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out over the next couple of weeks. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, next week, we're likely going to be back and, and doing our final shot at this 53-man roster prediction. Um, we got two more preseason games, one coming up this Saturday and then one next week. Um, and then the, pretty much your, your regular season is going to be here. Uh, cut downs are coming up here soon, so there's going to be a lot of a lot of roster movement. Still in Oxnard at training camp. They got more, one more week there, um, and then they'll they'll be back in uh, Texas for the rest of training camp. So there's still a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of things that are going to be happening over these next couple weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap the second preseason game. Then, like I said, we're probably going to plan on doing a 53-man roster prediction. Uh, so we look forward to doing that. We look forward to being back with you guys next week on the Talk with Star podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you then.